This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Welcome in to another edition of the We Hate Dwayne Wade Show. Clearly we haven't changed the name yet, and at this point I don't know if we'll ever change the name. Um... But we do hate doing weight. Yeah. We still do. That, that hasn't changed. But we just want to find something a little less negative. And as always, for those of you, we do have listeners, by the way. Says and, who? And uh, I think some woman from Ohio listens every week and was tweeting me. Or it's a guy. I don't know. I don't pay attention to Twitter handles. Um, well, l- but I was talking to him, her this week. And... Uh, She's she, a fan? She, he listens to the show every day. Well, I every want, we want a suggestion for a name. Yeah. So... Ma'am, Mister, whatever you are, Sir, Guy, Miss, <laughs> throw us a name. We'll name it after you if you just tell us what gender you are. Absolutely. All right. So, um, some news that happened since we last spoke. Uh, Marcus Smart went down with an injury. It looked like he uh, was shot. I was watching with the sound off, and I immediately said, "Oh, he's done. Done for the year. ACL." He comes from the Paul Pierce School of Dramatic Acting. I think it was under the same basket, too. I, mean, I think that basket's cursed. Um, but he's only out for just a couple of weeks, three weeks probably. Yeah, it was a sprained ankle. He should be back probably by the end of November. But my God, what a baby. <laughs> he will kick your ass. He, I'm sure he would, but not for the next three weeks. I could just run away. But seriously, that it really looked like he was dead. <laughs> He or in the process of dying. I've never seen it. Like, yes, it was a probably a lot of pain. And Jackie McMullen was saying on MFB that maybe it was like thinking that he did a lot more to it, and that he might be out for the year, and that was what causing him to cry so much. But when I saw it was only three weeks for a sprained ankle, I was shocked. Shocked. All right. So it's been what has it been? Six games. Six games so far. And so we're six games through of an eighty-two game season. And let's go through some of the players who's impressed us so far. Now, again, it's only six games. But we have a sample size to work with now where we didn't before and we were just kind of speculating. Who, who do you like so far on this Celtics team? So far, I would say I'm most impressed with... Okay, I was going to say Avery Bradley, but I'm not impressed... Not with what he's done, but what his potential. I think he's shooting the ball a lot more, looking to shoot more, and I think he's going to be a key factor going forward if he can actually make his shots and score probably 18 points again in game that with his defense he's going to be a very very good shooting guard in this league I'm huge on Avery Bradley in terms of actual play on the court it's got to be Sullinger I was kind of anti-Sullinger anti the hype going into the season but his big fat ass can rebound the basketball and he's soft hands can pass well he's pretty much been one of the best players other than Rondo on the Celtics so far Going back to Avery Bradley right now, how much is his game predicated on having Rondo on the court? Well, according to advanced statistics, which you hate. I do. Rondo, I don't hate all advanced statistics. Certain ones are just silly. I think it's Rondo's responsible for 
16 of his 25 shots and is basically the more Rondo sets up a Avery Bradley shot, the more likely it is to go in. I think it's incredibly predicated on Rondo, but I think the entire team is predicated on Rondo. He gets the people, uh, gets specific players in places where they can make shots. So I don't think Avery Bradley's a star and Rondo certainly helps him, but they're on the court together. So he's going to perform well. All right. One, one of the guys that's impressed me is Tyler Zeller. And we talked about it earlier and we talked about it uh, during the preseason because we both like the fact that he is a, very good ability to run the floor well and can get up and down and run with Rondo. Rondo likes a big guy that can run, and he will always serve that big guy. If he gets out on the fast break, gets to the hoop, Rondo will get him the ball so he can put the uh, the ball in the hoop. Um, it's not even that, though. It's his pick and roll, just the way he attacks coming all around that pick. He's got great footwork, and we've seen, no matter who the point guard is, him doing very good job in the pick and roll. And he's a good passing big man. Now, I was watching this thing last night. It was, uh, oh, God, I think it was it was an old NBA TV thing, The Greatest Rivalry. So it starts with, you know, Russell versus Chamberlain. It has Bird versus Magic. But it also goes into that 77 NBA Finals, the Trailblazers versus 76ers. So for you older listeners who know what I'm talking about, you'll have fun listening to this quick conversation. For you young listeners, you'll learn a little thing or two. So the... Trailblazers were a complete basketball team in terms of very fundamentally sound, pass the ball, very team-oriented basketball. Bill Walton was the man in the middle, the best passing big man of all time. He made that team go. And on the other side, you have the 76ers with Dr. J just coming fresh out of the ABA, and he's at the peak of his powers. You have George McGinnis, who's at the peak of his powers. They're both 25-point-per-game scorers. You've got, you've got a team that's built around individuals. And then on the other side, you have a team. And the team, the Trailblazers, won the series and eventually won it in fairly convincing fashion. Now, when I was watching that, I'm thinking about Bill Walton and going, God damn, a big that can pass well is so crucial, even more so to the NBA now than it was back then. And if you can find a big that can really pass well and pass smart, like Zeller's proven he passes the ball very smart and uh, gets other people opportunities. It's crucial for this team, especially with some of these other guys on the team where it's not everything is predicated on Rondo. You can kind of dump the ball in, and he's going to make the right move back out and get it to Bradley in that corner three. So I'd like to see Zeller progress even more and pretty much eliminate Olenek. Olenek's not a bad passer, though. He's not a bad passer. Zeller's a better passer, though. I would say that's one of the strengths of all of the bigs is that they all have some innate passing ability with the new Stevens motion offense. They're all going to have to pass and frequently. I think Zeller has been getting better at that, and I think we'll kind of see Brandon Bass phased out of the lineup the more uh, minutes Zeller gets because he's probably been the best rim protector on defense as well. So I'd like to see more Zeller uh, in the rotation, definitely. I just don't know what, what impact it has on the rest of the rotation. So I saw something interesting, what was it, last night, Monday night? Kobe Bryant is about to, or did, pass pass John Havlicek for most missed field goal attempts of all time. Is that a shocking statistic to anyone? It shouldn't be, but I was reading the commenters. That was always the funny part. And then ever you know, you'd get 15 out of 20 saying, oh, Kobe's overrated. See, I told you Kobe's overrated. And I'm sitting there going, you knuckleheads. 
It means nothing of the sort. It just means he's a volume shooter. And for a long time, he was the only option, so he was shooting a lot. Then I went down and was like, okay, now this is if I find this interesting. Who's taken the most shots in one game? And I was looking at that list. And, his 81-point game? It That, I don't believe, was his top one. Oh, really? That's the it thing. It might have been. I, I'm not, I don't remember. has the ability to take that many shots because the majority of the shots are going in. If he was missing... Well, yeah, he was Eventually, a you'd have, to, game you'd have to stop shooting, but you got to keep shooting. That's what Kobe does. And, and he said it, and Byron Scott said it after the game. It's about his aggressiveness. It's because he's working his ass off, so he's going to take those shots. And I completely understand that, especially if you're a superstar player and the other guys on your team aren't good like they are on the Lakers. They're terrible. Um, you're going to shoot because that, you're the only one you trust. That's exactly how I felt playing pickup last week. I was the best player on my team. And I had to keep. I missed probably fifty shots in four games, but I kept shooting because no one else was going to do anything. So, so it doesn't matter. I scored eight points in five games. That was our team scored maybe ten points. I was, I carry them on our back. The team led by Rob Bradford and myself, undefeated. Yeah, Brad. Uh, Bradford scored too many points on me. It was really frustrating. <laughs> But I, I found that one in, a little interesting. And then going back and, you know, basketball references is such an amazing site. You can go in and see p- what people did in, on an individual nightly basis. And, you know, I, I know what the most assists are in one game is 30 Scott Skiles, which is crazy. 30 assists in one game. And then you look at the rest of that list and it's Stockton, 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 Stockton. And it's nuts. Um, but the interesting thing was the field goals. Field goals attempted in a single game. Then Chris Webber's up there with like 47, and he scored 51 points. Is that early Chris Webber or like King's Chris Webber? that's King's Chris Webber. That's like 2003 Chris Webber. And I look at that and go, 47 shots, and you only scored 51 points. That's terrible. That's really, really really bad. Josh Smith is on pace to do something similar to that this year with the Pistons. I saw some ridiculous stat. He's only scored 100 points on like 160 shots so far this year. (laughs) <laughs> That's a bad basketball player. A freak he's of an the, athlete, bad basketball. The epitome player. of a bad he's the poster child for a terrible basketball player. Yeah. Uh, no no real sense of the actual game itself. Um and I can't stand players like that. I I can never could stand Josh Smith. Athletically, I was always intrigued by him because he was like a really athletic Antoine Walker. But Antoine Walker was a much smarter player. And that Antoine Walker wasn't that smart. No. I, mean, I just remember the time, how many threes Antoine Walker put up. It's got to the point in Detroit where if Josh Smith is at all open with the basketball, fans just begin to groan because they know he's going to shoot. That must be demoralizing, but Josh Smith, no, he'll he's shooting right through the booze, which is somewhat impressive. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's going to get his attempts. He's all about not making buckets, but attempting buckets. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. So the other night I was watching NBA uh, TV uh, late night, and I checked out the Pelicans Spurs game. And goddamn, Anthony Davis is a monster. Might already be, might already be the best player in the NBA. Might. I saw there's some. I, I, I know LeBron's out there. There's some article on ESPN.com. It was like tracking stars' age and trajectories. And is if Anthony's not or. Anthony Davis isn't there already. He's going to be there in the next one or two years just because LeBron's getting older and he's Davis is going to keep getting better. And I just really want the Pelicans to be able to put something around him so we can be in the playoffs and contend. Because right now in the West with Tyreek Evans, 
uh, Drew Holiday, they're, they're just not going to cut it. I really like the addition of a Sheik to play center next to Davis. That front line is fantastic. Ashik, we all know, is a good player. He just wasn't worth the salary that the Rockets put up for him. No, they put a poison pill in his contract, and then they realized they didn't want to eat it. But he's a good player. He basically went into the season saying, all I want to do is play defense and rebound, which is exactly what you want next to Anthony Davis. Yep. Another guy who's going to play astounding defense and get a bunch of boards, but still put up 27 points. Um, That's the team to watch for the future, if they can keep it together. It, it really is. They just they need better guard play, but I think it's definitely one of those must watch NBA league pass type things where if the Pelicans on, you're gonna you're gonna take that second look. All right, a month into the season, who's impressed you? Which team has impressed you the most? Which team has, I don't want to say unimpressed you the most, but which team is is not performing up to what you thought they were uh, capable of? Team that's impressed me the most so far is the Raptors. I saw I was at the game against. When they played the Celtics, and Kyle Lowry is a beast. He's, He's an absolute problem child. If it wasn't, I mean, the Celtics should not have committed 28 turnovers in that game, but he willed that team to victory. He scored the last 11 points of the third quarter, stripped Marcus Smart in the final seconds to lead to a DeRozan dunk. DeRozan can shoot the lights out of the ball. They have just a great team. They're play, I think they're the best defensive team so far in the league. Only one loss coming against Miami. I don't think... Right now, they're, you can say they're like a real title contender, but I wouldn't want to play the Raptors in the playoffs at all. I'm just really impressed with Kyle Lowry. As terms of a disappointing team, I mean, it's going to have to be the Cavs. I can't think of any other team that sticks out besides that. Uh, when Moving on to the Cavaliers, they, um, they're clearly a good team. Oh, they've got good pieces. They're going to win 55 games. They're going to do 60. their thing. This is a transition period. And I think you see this a lot with LeBron because he's not a Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, take o- just take over and say, screw this. All right. I'm willing us to win. He does it in a di- very different manner. And I think he will make he does make the players around him better, usually. This is what uh, Colin Cowherd was saying on, that, on the whatever caused that Simmons-Mike Golick beef. He was basically saying LeBron's just going to step back and let the players learn, all right, Deion Waiters, you shooting the ball eight or like 15 times a game isn't going to get us to win, but you have to learn that yourself. I'm not going to just demand it from you. And I think Blatt made an interesting move um, demoting Waiters to the bench and starting Sean Marion. I think that's going to be helpful. I think Waiters is a terrible player. Not a terrible player, but he's selfish, and it's just like I've seen so many gif or vines of just him looking to take his shot, and he doesn't really know how to like work in an offense where – He's not the he's not looking to get his. So I think it's a learning process, and I think they're going to get better. I really liked. Uh, did you see uh, after their last win, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love had a cool handshake, and then they pretended well, to smoke. Okay. A- I, I watched opening night for Cleveland, and Love and Irving did that as they were introduced. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we both looked at each other and go, "Did they just smoke a blunt? They just smoke- did they just do this? I'm smoking a joint thing." And I was like, "Sure did." Sure did. Someone's going to be pissed. Didn't hear another word about it until just the other night. I'm like, I saw this opening night when they were introduced and no one said anything. And it's taken a month for people to catch on to this. Um, it, it were a couple of weeks, I guess. Not even a month. Uh, it's uh, dumb. What, what was the, the reasoning behind it was, oh, it's the straightening the mustache. Bullshit. Well, that's a pretty good uh, cover-up excuse for blatantly smoking 
doing a smoking a blunt motion. I mean, that I couldn't have come up with that lie. But that was just it's just funny to me. I imagine they get high all the time. We ran University last night. Was, I haven't seen it yet. I taped it. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, just one thing I'm going to spoil it for you. He was talking about Randy Moss's friend was talking about before games. He was like, man, we used to get like four or five L's deep uh, before the game, get our haircuts, get our socks on, and uh, just go play. And then they showed highlights, and Randy Moss is the most athletic, most dominant player I've ever seen, and I love him. <laughs> and he had the greatest hair ever. When that, that game when they beat, oh, man, they beat uh, the Packers in Lambeau, and he did the mooning thing. Did they beat that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that. and Joe Buck was pissed off. For no, like- I know. That is the most disgusting display. Out. Shut the hell up, Joe Buck, you righteous douche. Um, it was funny. It I was remember, gold. I remember watching that game live and going, ah, that was pretty funny because he didn't actually moon anyone. And even if he did, it would still be funny. <laughs> I agree. But his hair after that game in the in the locker room was just blown out and looked fantastic. He's just one of the coolest athletes. And the basketball highlights they showed in that. Him and J-Dubs. Get ready. There's just one where he comes through the lane and just dunks from probably the foul line. And it's I just was speechless after that. He could have. There are people saying that they could have gone pro if he really focused on basketball. I'm not surprised. I remember watching some of those highlights, some of the alley-oops. You'd see Williams toss to him and go, holy crap, these guys are good. Uh, I couldn't imagine when I played high school basketball trying to play against a team like that. No, it would have been it would have been fun, though. It's like kind of fun to get dunked on by someone that much better than you. Yes and no. I remember freshman year we were playing against Brookline. and Jeff Adrian? How old is Jeff Adrian? I don't know. He seems like your age. He went to UConn. He went to Brookline. He seems like the type of person who would dunk on you. Well, if he's 29, which I don't think he is, I think he's like I think he's a little younger than me. Um, but if he was 29, then he was one of the ones that dunked on our heads, and they just ran up and down the court on us and just dunked on us all day. And it was on one hand, it was very frustrating. Oh, on the other yeah. hand, it was like. Damn, these kids are good. We suck, but these kids are good. I can imagine it be fun for like the first half of a game, and then the more and more they do it, it would just be very demoralizing, and you really can't recover from that. I've only been dunked on truly once, and it was like, hoo-hoo, exciting. Yeah, one, I, I remember one time I was playing a pickup game with these kids that were actually younger than me. I was probably like 22 at the time, down at Bowditch in Framingham, where I'd always go play. And there was these three kids that were messing around, and I just showed up and was like, hey, let's play a little two-on-two. Why not? And so these kids kept trying to throw it. One of these kids was a freak of an athlete and could dunk. And uh, they kept trying to throw alley-oops to him. And I'd just go up because they were telegraphing it every time. Yeah. And I'd just go up and grab it or just hit it away. And they would complain and be like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, trying to... Like, That's not proper we're, proper we're two playing, and two etiquette. We're playing two and two. I'm not going to let you just throw alley-oops all day over here. I want to win the game. But, it, you know, it is kind of fun to watch freaks of an athlete do freakish things but um let's get back to the celtics where right now wrap up this with podcast. this a team that is devoid of freak athletes oh yeah no one really jumps out at you maybe jeff green but but he's too laissez-faire to even i, I don't know i i'm just i'm counting down the days till jeff green is traded i would kind of, i would like to see jeff green traded just because i think we need more assets and I don't really see what his role in the future is but I this year through six games he's been pretty productive he's come out and against the Mavericks he played well he had a nice start against the Sixers game he hasn't been a bad player at all he's been shown flashes of great Jeff Green but he hasn't really had terrible Jeff Green games but the problem with Jeff Green is he's still Jeff Green 
Now that's deep. <laughs> going into last season, or towards the maybe about the same time period uh, last season as we are right now, six week, uh, six games, couple weeks into the season. Uh, one of the things coming out with Gerald Wallace is really frustrated. And I totally understood why. You went from a Nets team that you thought was going to contend to a Celtics team that you knew was in tank mode. And this season I'm seeing reports come out saying that he he's embracing the mentor role. Do you see that going to the games, covering the games? Do you see that from Gerald Wallace? Yeah, he's. I think he generally knows that his skill set's not there and he learned from last year and that his job is to kind of to step in when needed, but kind of also be, you see him in the locker room just kind of joking around, being kind of the old wily vet, and they crack on him a lot for being the old guy. And he doesn't seem discouraged by it. I mean, when Smart went down, he kind of actually really helped out in that um, Pacers game. So I see, I feel like he's definitely accepted that role. And even though he has a terrible contract, he's definitely not a, a detriment to the Celtics this year. All right, final final question. Final thing we want to talk about real quick. Is is this team gonna piss off a good a good chunk of the fans and actually make the playoffs? I think so, and I would argue that it might not be a bad thing. Why? One, you prove to Rondo that you're trying to field a competitive team, you have a better chance of re signing him, which I'm for. I know everyone else wants to trade him. Two, there's the whole teaching young players how to play playoff basketball. And if you ever want a chance of recruiting another free agent, you're gonna have to prove that you are like have some you're trending towards success we've seen the lottery strategy doesn't work they tanked in 2007 they didn't get anything they tanked last year they got the sixth pick if they tank again they could what does the nine pick help them at all this year i don't see what what the difference between the nine like getting a pick around the 10, 11, 12, or making the playoffs i feel like the making the playoffs has more long-term benefits the tank in 2007 did work because they got a relatively high draft pick, and they used that to flip for Ray Allen, which in turn ended up bringing KG here because Ray Allen came. So KG was like, oh, Ray Allen and Paul Pierce? Okay, it but I worked. don't think we can expect those like those two deals to be made again. Well, because like, the, the only person you're making those deals with <laughs> was really uh, <laughs> Seattle, which that was a legit deal. You know, Jeff Green was thought of as a really good player, and Ray Allen was making a lot of money and was towards the end of his time there. Uh, he was still a very good player, but it made sense the way that deal worked. And then the other deal was just a highway robbery because it was Ainge and McHale. Yeah, you know, playing footsies under the table and saying, "You want now. you want KG? Don't worry, just give me. I got you. I just, got you. Just give me back some scrubs and Al Jeff, and we'll 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 call it square." So it did work. It hasn't worked many times in the past. The the Duncan draft it didn't work when we ended up with Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer, which we talked about Chauncey Billups yesterday on the show. Fifty one games. That's all they gave. Uh, that's all Patino gave Chauncey Billups in Celtics. Which is Green. absurd. Fifty-one games, and then traded his ass away to I think Denver. It's absolutely atrocious. To pick your four pick to only give him fifty-one games, and I remember watching three pick. I remember watching Chauncey that year, and yeah, he struggled. He would frequently go up and not really know what he wanted to do with the ball. But he was young, and he could have been a cog in the future of the Celtics. But Patino's terrible. He was really awful. Thank God we've got a much better college to pro coach in Brad Stevens. I'm encouraged by Brad Stevens. He's a he's a very good coach. He knows what he's doing. He seems to know what these players are. I hope they can keep him around for a long time because 
it seems like he's a very well-respected coach around the league, having only been there for a year and some weeks. So I, I think the Celtics are in a very good position right now, having watched this team, and and uh, especially with Marcus Smart. I, I like this team. We've they're talked about liking certainly them. Certainly likable, and they're going to be fun to watch, and they're going to play hard for 48 minutes a night. And just that alone is going to steal them some wins. So I think the possibility of them making the playoffs is looking better with uh, with each week passing. Final note, we didn't have a guest this week. Uh, normally we bring you a guest every single week. We will be back doing that again next week. Um, I'm gonna, taking this time now to call out Michael Holly for being full of crap. Come on, man. Because uh, I keep saying, dude, come on the show. Come on the show. It's Sam and I. You love us. What's good? And uh, he, I just want to wait a couple more weeks. I want to see a couple more games. I'm, he's not watching. He doesn't. He has got. He's watching foot. He's gambling on football too much. He's taking trips to the bookie, and it's BS. Watch some Celtics and come on the podcast, Michael Holly. I know you used to cover the team, and now you're ducking podcasters. He's ducking. Not even just random podcasters. One guy who produces your show, and one guy who looked after your pugs once. So I think, mean, come on. <laughs> Come on, buddy. That's right, Michael. You dig? I I hope you're listening to this podcast because you better get your ass on this show soon. All right, that's uh, another edition of the We Hate Dwayne Wade show. We'll come back to you next week. We'll be a a little longer show. We'll have a guest with us, uh, talk some more basketball. But as always, uh, correspond with us. Excuse me. Chat with us on Twitter, at YoungBenWEEI. At SPECGUY. All right, talk to you guys next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.